a dead NASA spacecraft with a one in 2,500 chance of killing someone re-entered the Earth's atmosphere overnight, but the U.S. space agency is yet to reveal whether it burnt up on, uh, burnt up rather, or when it, where it came down. The 600-pound craft, about the size of a shipping container, was retired in 2018 after suffering a communication failure. NASA refused to disclose its re-entry location, but the satellite is thought to have come down between uh, 50 BST and 2 uh, 50 BST this morning. Satellite tracking website uh, Statflare suggests it may have crashed in Chad, Libya, or Sudan. But this is yet to be confirmed. There's also a good chance that some or all of the spacecraft burnt up upon re-entry. You can read more in the In the News section at Coast to Coast am.com back to more of my conversation with filmmaker alex brecker as we discuss the search for mokelly and bambe and we'll also take your calls stay with us right here on coast to coast am and we are back with alex brecker the film is the explorer and how can we screen it it's now available on vimeo i understand yes absolutely so it's available on vimeo so vimeo.com slash on demand slash the explorer film so vimeo.com slash on demand slash the explorer film and we release it at a very low price and uh, basically all the revenues that are generated from the film will be used to found our next expedition we have a we have a plan for a very ambitious expedition still on the jar river uh, and uh, and we hope to, to, to make a bit of money out of the release of the film and to be able to go back there and obviously to shoot a second movie. Sounds like you've caught the bug. Um, I mean, you, I, you never set out to be a filmmaker that makes movies just about, uh, you know, cryptozoology, but now it's, it seems like you may have caught the, the same bug that Michel Ballot caught. That's a great question. Maybe, maybe I did get back. Um, but, you know, we're so close of making a fundamental discovery. Um, I really believe that Mokadip Mbembe exists. I really believe that if we go back there, at some point, we will find it. Um, there's so much evidence. Uh, and really, you know, finding a, one of the great cryptids uh, would be a, an amazing, uh, more than an amazing discovery. It would send the words, the message that there are still unknown places of Earth and that these unknown places, they still hide mysteries and some amazing mysteries uh, can still be solved. You know, I strongly believe that the age of exploration is not dead, that be- people have just lost interest. So, you know, being an explorer, going there and trying to prove the world that, uh, that some, some mysteries uh, are still there would be, uh, it's an amazing thing to do. So the movie is, is, um, is called The Explorer. So let me ask you, is it about Michel Ballot and his quest, or is it about the, the creature itself, Mokeli Mbembe, or is it 50-50? about 50-50. It's about 50-50. So, you know, um, cryptozoology documentaries, they all sometimes, I mean, most of them, they follow the um, same structure. Um, they're 
real documentaries formatted for TV and, uh, um, and you know, and sometimes you hope that you will see some revelations and uh, uh, that some secrets will be revealed. But generally, you know, I mean, from the ones I've, I've seen, you're always a bit disappointed at the end. Um, what I wanted to do with The Explorer is to do, is to shoot a real movie. Uh, and we were lucky enough to be to be quite successful and be selected for, uh, by many uh, great film festivals, uh, mostly in the U.S. but also elsewhere in in Europe and Asia, uh, because it's a real movie. It's something that people who are not interested in cryptozoology can enjoy as well. But obviously, you know, as a passionate passionate filmmaker and uh, and cryptozoologist. It also includes lots of information uh, uh, about Mokel Mbembe and, and the quest. So I would say, yes, 50-50. It's about a search of a man that is uh, sure that he can uh, unveil uh, one of the greatest mysteries in Africa, and it's about the mystery himself. So what is Michel Ballot's idea if, if he actually finds one of these creatures and, you know, you capture it on, on video, but is he interested in capturing one uh would he consider i don't know uh tranquilizing one so that it could be um i don't know you could have you could affix some sort of a, a a radio tracking device to it what does he want to do with it if he if he finds one so the the answer is uh, is twofold first of all uh, i think when you choose to dedicate your life to chasing a cryptid uh well it can be challenging. Uh, your loved, loved ones are supporting you, but up to a certain point, and even your professional uh, relationship, you know, uh, uh, you, when you start to embark on such an adventure, you know, you lose friends, basically, and you, you make so many sacrifices. So I think that Michel wants to find Mokelembebe to prove that he was right, you know, when you dedicate 20 years of your life to searching an animal. Uh, well, you really want to find it uh, just to accomplish your destiny. So that's his personal quest. Uh, now, capturing a Mokelembembe, um, I mean, taking picture or video recording uh, of a Mokelembembe would also help uh, protect that part of the world. So the Congo Basin is a victim of, uh, of poachers. You have lots of poachers. You have deforestation. Uh, forest elephants are being killed, and if you bring back proof that there's a dinosaur, a giant lizard that lives in the area, well, you're more likely to protect the area and maybe to build some sustainable tourism around the presence of that animal, and it would basically save the uh, the Congo Basin, and that's the other dream of Michel. Um, uh, he's he's a passionate conservationist as well. He loves the area. I mean, we all do, and uh, he 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 would like to protect it. Does what what are Michelle Bello's um, feelings on on or thoughts on what this creature might be? I mean, the 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 idea that this could be a holdover from you know that major extinction event that wiped out dinosaurs 65 million years ago does he think it could be a survivor from that an actual apatosaurus or does he think it's a a creature we simply we haven't uh, you know categorized or cataloged it yet so he thinks he 
things, and we 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 will do that. Uh, it is certainly a creature that hasn't uh, been uh, catalogued yet. That it's just an unknown animal, and it, maybe not a dinosaur that has survived from the Cretaceous or or prehistoric times. Now, we are surrounded by dinosaurs. Dinosaurs are everywhere in the world. Look at sharks, crocodiles, uh, or silicon that fish that they discovered uh, 40 or 50 years ago in the Comoros. So these are dinosaurs. These, these are living fossils. These are creatures that haven't uh, evolved since, uh, since the ancient times. So we all think, including Michel, that Mokelemebe could be a large reptile that hasn't evolved much, but certainly not a dinosaur. All right, let's go to the phones, and we're going to go to the wild card line. Pete is in North Carolina. Pete, welcome to Coast to Coast AM. You're on the line with Alex Brecker. Hey, I wanted to ask Alex, if this Mobambe uh, creature was a brontosaurus, well, they were vegetarians. They wouldn't have any need to attack a human, right? So th- thanks, Pete, for that question. Uh, indeed, it is a vegetarian, but it is said to be a very territorial animal. So he, the animal will defend his territory. So basically when you have, it's a semi, um, the, the, the animal lives both uh, in the water and on, on land, but mostly in the water. So basically when you have a dugout or a small canoe with local fishermen entering his territory, he is said to attack that canoe to chase the people away. All right, thanks for the question, Pete. Um, has anyone, any of the locals, the, the pygmies, have they ever witnessed a Mokeli and Bembe fighting uh, a forest elephant or a hippopotamus or any other creatures? Yes, back in the Congo, uh, 20 or 30 years ago, um, local uh, people said about a big fight that occurred between um, a Mokeli and Bembe and a giant uh, snake. Um, and we got some testimonies as well uh, of uh, Mokelembembe uh, uh, fighting elephants, uh, and that's in uh, in Cameroon and also in uh, and also in the Congo, uh, attacking elephants and keeping the tusks. So this is quite strange, but well, lots of researchers think that Mokelembembe could kill elephants. Uh, and keep the tusks to create a, a kind of not a nest or a or you know a, to protect their territory or um, yeah so that's that's what local uh, people uh, say. Now there is another cryptid in the area that's a bit less known. It's called uh, Emele Antuka, uh, and Emele Antuka means the elephant killer. And well, some cryptozoologists cryptozoologists think it could be a triceratops. Um, and it's a large animal that, with a horn that is uh, targeting elephants specifically. So big question, is Mokelembembe and Melantuka the same? Are we talking about two different cryptids? Well, on that, we, we really don't know. Is there competition among these explorers like Michel Ballot and, and uh, well, I know he and, and Dr. Bill Gibbons are friends, but is there a level of competition 
amongst them because there are more than just those two that are searching for this creature. Uh, sort of, you know, a competition to see who will be the first to, to spot one and to record it. No, I think I think that everyone's helping each other. Um, the competition took place in the uh, early '80s in the U.S. Uh, you had like two uh, prominent explorers, uh, Dr. Roy McCall and Rory Dungeons, who both mounted uh, their uh, their expeditions uh, in the to Lake Tale in the Congo uh, with lots of means financial means, so they wanted to bring proof, and there was a kind of competition. Uh, Mokelembebe was high in the news at the time. Uh, Disney uh, issued a movie called Baby, The Secret of the Lost Legend, uh, on Mokelembebe, so, so, so at the time it was really in the spotlight. Now, uh, interest has vanished a little bit, and all the explorers, uh, Michel Ballot, Bill Gibbons, and the other serious people looking for Mokelembebe, we are all helping each other. So sharing intel, uh, sharing some equipment sometimes, and going together uh, whenever we have the opportunity to, to do so. Uh, I've been discussing with Bill Gibbons, uh, I think it, a couple of weeks ago, and we are thinking of, uh, of, uh, of going together on an expedition along with Michel, uh, and certainly in the swamps of uh, North Gabon, which are very promising uh, places where uh, we can find something. Now, you mentioned Bill Gibbons. He's a creation scientist. He, does he still believe that Mukeli Mbembe is a holdover from the, uh, you know, the, the, the mass extinction event that killed the dinosaurs off 65 million year, years ago, that somehow several of them survived and continued to breed? Well, that's, you need to ask him. Uh, now, in the conversations I, I had with Bill, uh, he's, he's also very pragmatic. Uh, he's using a scientific approach uh, to find Mokere Mbembe. And we all do. Also, we respect local cultures and beliefs, and we listen to local people because they have a lot uh, to tell us. But we are using uh, scientific methods to find Mokere Mbembe. So I think that Bill's take is first to find strong evidence uh, and to find Mokelembembe and then, well, you know, uh, to, to, to assess what kind of animal it is. But once again, uh, you look at crocodiles, you look at sharks, you know, they are leftovers from, from, from the ancient times. So, so, you know, everything is possible. All right, let's go to Salem, Oregon, and Vic is on the line. Vic, welcome to Coast to Coast AM. Yeah, great show, Richard. And, you know, there is a possibility that a prehistoric uh, creature could be holed over from prehistoric times. You're right about crocodiles haven't changed their appearance in over 10 million years. So it's it's a possibility. There are large creatures in the Congo Basin, including, the, like you mentioned, the forest elephant and the hippopotamus. And a hippo, hippopotamus is a vegetarian vegetable eater, vegetarian, and it attacks people. So, you know, even if um, this prehistoric creature is vegetarian, it could very well be very dangerous. And you wouldn't need a, a large breeding population if if it's uh, a long-lived creature, possibly 30 to 50 breeding pairs could exist and keep the species alive all these millions of years possibly and i was wondering why you don't use drones with camera mounted drones 
to run down the river and surveil over the forest in search of, uh, I, I don't know how to pronounce the name, but... Mokele Mbembe. Yeah, beautiful name. But, um, yeah, why you don't use more uh, modern technology, and you probably do use a lot of good cameras and... I, well, that's a great I, question, Vic. Thank you for that. What about drones? Are you are you employing drones, Alex? Yes, we do. We do. Uh, so both regular drones and underwater drones as well. But it's very challenging because uh, of the uh, of the batteries. Um, so you know you burn a drone battery uh, normally for a normal use in the northern hemisphere, for example, in the what it lasts. 25 minutes to half an hour in the Congo Basin because of humidity. You know, it's uh, uh, well, you have five minutes of flight time, so it's it's very short, and you need to be very lucky to to spot a Mokele Mbembe. We did use drones; we didn't find much, but once again, within the five minutes time range, you know, it's a bit it's a bit complicated. We also used underwater drones. Uh, but the water is so dark, so brown that it's very difficult. Now. There's a Monster Quest expedition that went to the same area um, five or six years ago, and they used sonars, uh, and it was quite promising. Um, they, they found la- large sonar uh, prints of, of a large animal, and that's the next uh, objective that we want to do. We want to go back there to kayak down the Jar River so that we would be completely silent with sonars on the kayak and well, maybe we, we, we could find something. All right. We'll uh, take another time out, come back, get to some more calls for filmmaker Alex Brecker in search of Mokeli Mbembe. The film is called The Explorer on Coast to Coast AM. Welcome back. Say hello on Twitter at Richard Serrett. And the website is strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca. Be sure to tune in to Coast to Coast AM tonight. George Knapp will be in the air chair in the first half. The National UFO Historical Records Center is working with Tom Orzachowski from Black Tie Labs, creators and writers of a new comic book series that portrays the early days of the U.S. involvement with the UFO subject. Tom, along with Dave Marler, executive director of the um, National UFO Historic Records joins George to discuss their collaboration to educate the public on the history of UFOs with the center's preservation of documents and materials for researchers, along with the graphic novel. In the second half, the 1993 siege of the Branch Davidians in Waco, Texas, is still shrouded in mystery. Journalist Stephen Talty, Stephen Talty, has chronicled that day when 76 people, including 20 children, died in the fire that engulfed the compound. Talty speaks about his exclusive interviews with David Koresh's family and survivors of the siege. That's tonight, Sunday night, into Sunday mo- or Monday morning on Coast to Coast AM. All right, back to more of my conversation with filmmaker Alex Brecker, plus your calls right here on Coast to Coast AM. Filmmaker Alex Brecker is with us, and again, the new documentary film is The Explorer, a quest for Africa's living dinosaur. Again, how do we screen it, Alex? So it's available on Vimeo On Demand, 
So uh, vimeo.com slash on demand slash the explorer film. I'm going to repeat. So vimeo.com slash on demand slash the explorer film. And all the revenue that we hope to generate from the release of the film will be used to found our next expedition in uh, the Cameroon. You also you won some awards at some film festivals. Absolutely. So so the film had a very successful festival career in the U.S. So we won the first award, Best Documentary, in San Francisco uh, at a great festival called uh, Another Hole in the Head. Um, and it was quite unexpected. Um, and then we won the Best uh, do- uh, Documentary Feature uh, Award at the Midwest Weird Fest with our very good friend Dean Bertram, who's a great supporter of the film. And, and then I think in total we won nine or ten awards for uh, 17 or 18 selections. So, so it had a great festival run, and now we're really excited to, to release it to the public. It's such a beautiful film. I mean, it's just it's breathtaking. In fact, as you know, and that and the and the the Congo Basin is uh, breathtaking. Uh, it just it deserves to be seen on on a big big screen. Is there any plans uh, for like a theatrical release? So it has been screened in uh, in theaters in uh, in different festivals. Uh, but really, you know, the goal for this film uh, of this film is to make. Uh, the, the quest for Mokin and Bembe searched, uh, the quest for Mokin and Bembe story known to, to wider audiences. So that's why we, we chose online release. We have followers all across the world, in Europe, in the US, uh, even in Africa a lot, you know, so we really wanted to make it uh, as widely accessible as possible. But it has indeed been screened uh, on, uh, in theaters, um, and I'm doing some, uh, some conferences and public talks quite often uh, across uh, across Europe and so with movie screenings and, and then talks, which are quite why successful. Why don't you think a, a, an organization like the National Geographic would be interested in this story? So they, they are interested in, uh, in, in, in Mokel and Bembe. Uh, there has been a great um, um, National Geographic uh, documentary um, on the Congo Basin, and they talk about uh, Mokel and Bembe. Now, you know, cryptozoology is always a delicate topic to uh, deal with for mainstream media like National Geographic. Um, it's at the limits of science and paranormal studies, which are not always considered noble uh, science. I do consider that cryptozoology is, well, is a science like any other sciences, but, you know, some mainstream media, some mainstream film producers say, well, you know, it's, uh, it's a bit obscure, it's the paranormal, so it's, uh, it's, uh, it's more genre uh, uh, kind of film. It was either the lowland gorilla or the mountain gorilla, I don't think was actually uh verified until something like i don't know 1913 so prior to that uh the either the lowland or the mountain gorilla was sort of in the same boat as mokeli and bembe right just a kind of this legendary mythical creature uh probably mainstream science didn't necessarily even believe it existed exactly richard uh you know before uh before the the, the, the early uh, 20th century 
local people in uh, the Democratic Republic of Congo, at the, at the border between Congo, uh, actually, and, and Rwanda, were talking about large, hairy men, human beings, uh, that lived in the mountains. And, you know, some people would say, Yeti, Bigfoot, but no, they were real creatures called, uh, 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 well, mountain gorillas, uh, and they discovered them. So because of a cryptozoological approach, we discovered a new species of animals. Same goes with the okapi, which is a very strange animal uh, from, uh, from the Democratic Republic of Congo. It's, uh, it's kind of a balance between the zebra and the giraffe. Um, and, you know, local people would talk about that uh, okapi and no one would believe them. But at some point, they did find that animal, uh, which exists. So really, for me, cryptozoology is, is a science like any other science. We must uh, listen to local people. And if we follow a scientific approach, which is what we do when we look for Mokolembembe, well, you know, we might find something in the end. Uh are there similarities, do you think, between Mokele and Bembe and the Loch Ness Monster? Could it be the same type of creature, or do you think they're two separate uh, species? So witnesses of the Loch Ness Monster would describe more a plesiosaurus, which is another subspecies of dinosaurs. Uh, Mokele and Bembe would be a, more of an apatosaurus or a, a kind of large sauropod. Brontosaurus, dinosaur. Um, they both uh, live uh, most of their life in the water, but there are very few sightings of Mo uh, Loch Ness Monster on land, uh, whereas there, there has been lots of sightings of Mokelembembe uh, on land. So, so I think it, we are talk talking about two different species. Now, for the Loch Ness Monster, there's been lots of sightings, and obviously it's very um, uh, big in the news. Now, really thinking that we need about a thousand individuals to have a breeding population, uh, lots of scientists think that uh, the Loch Ness Monster is more of a myth because you wouldn't have enough nutrients in the lake, in the loch, uh, to feed a population of a thousand large animals. The Congo Basin is much bigger, and obviously you have all the nutrients you need. So, so well, that's what scientists, including Michel Ballot, including <clears throat> some other scientists who are uh, keen in finding Mokelebembe, think about the Loch Ness Monster. Speaking of Ballot, Michel Ballot, the explorer, uh, do his friends, family, do they think he's crazy? <laughs> his wife is from Cameroon. And ah. his wife supports him totally because in Cameroon, well, you know, Mokelembebe is a real animal. It's not like, wow, amazing, Mokelembebe, a dinosaur, like our perception here. Well, when you go there, when you meet people of the forest, pygmies or bantus, you know, they say, eh, in the forest we have elephants, we have gorillas, and we have Mokelembebe, and that's it. You know, it's totally normal. So for his wife, he is normal. Um, for the cryptozoological community, he is one of the most expert scientists and researchers of Mokelembembe. Now, I'm sure there are people who think uh, he is crazy. Um, I don't know for him. I know for me, you know, when I went on my first expedition, um, 
I, so I told my wife, look, I'm going for three and a half weeks in the forest. I will have no cell phone, nothing. Uh, but really, I'll come back and then we'll see, we'll see what happens. And the, my wife's uncle called my wife and told her, like, sorry, I have something to tell you. Your husband is cheating on you. And she said, why? Because, well, going in the forest for three weeks to look for a living dinosaur, I mean, that's one of the craziest stories I've heard. He is cheating on you. He's going to see his girlfriend. And (laughs) obviously it was not the case, but, you know, it sounds bizarre. It sounds strange. But then when you start looking at the research and at the methods and the approach, well, it's it's a totally serious and rational approach. How does Balo live, though? If he's, I mean, he had a, I would, I would think, a pretty lucrative career as a lawyer in France, and he left that all behind. So now, how? I mean, how does he survive? Well, his wife uh, works and has a quite good and successful career, and Michel Balo uh, founds his expedition uh, through uh, sponsorships. So he had uh, he had sponsors behind behind him. He writes books. Uh, now he just wrote a, a second book and he sells his books, and uh, and yeah, people support his quest. He has an association, um, and uh, and he receives uh, grants uh, for the research. So so he does. He's not a rich person, but he's living the dream, which is absolutely priceless. Priceless. While you were with him. Um on that first expedition in 2015 and then when you were filming with him and you were there for about three and a half weeks, did he ever confide in you that he's getting discouraged because he hasn't found Mukeli and Bembe? Yes, many times. But the question I kept asking him is, do we really want to find Mukeli and Bembe in the end? Um, You know, when you're in such a search, when you find the animal, then this quest is over. And I think he's as excited to find Mokelembembe as afraid to end the quest. Now, a question I asked myself when I went with him and I started filming the movie is that, okay, if I see, if we see Mokelembembe, if we spot the animal, do I film the animal or do I film the face of Michel Ballot? And well, I came to the conclusion that I would do both. You know, I would take a pic of Mokelembembe and then quickly shift to Michel Balou and film his face. Because when you have a man dedicating all his life, you know, losing friends, making so many sacrifices to find a gigantic animal and that he finally sees it, well, what happens on, in his eyes might be something absolutely amazing. Yeah, it's an excellent point. It's an excellent point. Let's go to the phones on the wild card line. Walt is in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Hey, Walt, good to hear from you. Hi, Richard. Thank you for your beautiful voice once again, Richard. Always Thank you, Walt. Pleasure to hear from you. Well, I just like to uh, make a comment. We really don't have to search for dinosaurs. It's generally accepted now that the birds are dinosaurs. So really, uh, they're all around us now. Uh, you know the, the three, the two classifications of dinosaurs, of course, were the theropods and the sauropods. So uh, the theropods were the three-toed type, you know, that stood on their hind legs like Tyrannosaurus rex. So, Richard, I think I mentioned to you, uh, maybe approximately within the last year, that we have to rename uh, 
Tyrannosaurus, which means terrible lizard king, to Tyrannoterrus, which means terrible bird king. So, uh, you know, we the, the great uh, uh, team, uh, uh, paleontological team of Walter and Louis Alvarez, they revolutionized uh, in our outlook of uh, the dinosaur extinction in 1978 when they postulated that the asteroid impact of 65 million years ago uh, made the dinosaurs go extinct. But uh, what they failed to recognize is that only the largest dinosaurs went extinct. The smaller dinosaurs, which left smaller fossils, survived. So uh, that's what I'd like to point out to, to your guest. And, uh, you know, I'm not, you know I'm not saying we know everything. They're... Uh, if you look at the coelacanth, it's the Devonian living fossil from the Devonian uh, 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 era, which uh, preceded the dinosaurs by hundreds of millions of years. They're still with us. The coelacanth, there is a living uh, uh, population of coelacanth uh, fish in the Indian Ocean. Uh, so uh, we we don't know every we don't know a lot about the life that life still exists on Earth, so that's all I'd like to point out. Great point, uh, Walt. Great point. Yeah, I think there's a theory that the Tyrannosaurus rex may have actually had feathers. Have you heard that, Alex? Yes, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And if you look at the clothes, if you look at the bones, if you look at, at things, there, there is more and more evidence that the dinosaurs were birds. So it's very interesting, you know, where, when you're talking about evolution and uh, Darwinism. So it's not a straightforward path, and we're still making discoveries, and I think the greatest discoveries on evol- the evolution of species are yet to be made. Um, the other, we were talking about how dangerous it, it is over there. You've got the wildlife, you've got, you know, mosquitoes uh, and so forth. There's also a, is there not still a civil war raging in Cameroon? Well, there are several conflicts in uh, in Cameroon. You have, uh, well, uh, yes, there, there, there's a civil war, but it, it's in the the western part uh, of Cameroon. Uh, there, there is a rebellion of the Anglophone region regions um, uh, versus the French regions. In the north, you have uh, terrorism, and uh, and you have the the war in, uh, in Central African Republic that spills over in Cameroon with uh, with about two hundred and fifty thousand refugees. So it's a, uh, it's a quiet. Uh, well, you have to, to to be aware of that of conflict. Uh, now the area that uh, we are exploring is uh, well, is absolutely empty. There's no humans. So the most dangerous humans that you can come across are poachers, right. uh, and poachers they have war weapons. They they're out there for the elephants. And they won't hesitate to kill you if you're on the way. So, so we're always a bit afraid of poachers. Hopefully, we never met any. We were close to a camp of poachers and we heard gunshots. It's in the movie. Uh, we, we also saw a dead elephant. Uh, and, well, we, we went away quite fast. And, uh, and that's the closest we've been to poachers. Alex, uh, how, how again do we watch uh, the movie The Explorer? So the Explorer is available on Vimeo, so vimeo.com slash on demand slash the Explorer film. Vimeo.com slash on demand slash the Explorer film. 
Alex, great speaking with you again. Thank you so much. It's a beautiful film. Congratulations. Thank you so much, Richard. It was a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you to everyone. All right. That's it for me. For George Norrie, George Knapp, Lisa Lyons, Stephanie Smith, Tom Danheiser, Dan Galanti, Adam Thompson, Donna Walker, Chris Burroughs, Tim Banal, and Sean Lattisor. Special thanks to my son, Zach, for the bumper music. I'm Richard Serrett. Thank you for your ears and your voices, your beautiful voices. Until next time, so long for now.